for a spine-tingling, nerve-shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster, Monster Kid, Kid Radio. Radio. Here your host, Derek M. Cook, and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classic and sometimes not-so-classic monster movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher, or visit monsterkidradio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Monster Kid Kid Radio. Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Price, and Joel Hodgson. Listen to discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the HP Lovecraft Film Festival. Classic Monsters. Modern Talk and the head of Rondo Hatton, only on Monster Kid Radio! Black Clock Audio Tales is brought to you by BunnySlippers.com and Found Item Clothing. Check them out at BunnySlippers.com and Found Item Clothing. Keep warm this winter, keep your feet warm, and uh, if you're over in the Southern Hemisphere, you can check out the cool t-shirts. Uh, yeah, anyone can check out the cool t-shirts, but hey, it's summertime down there. And hey, this is Black Clock Audio Tales, hosted by me, D.B. Spitzer. Just got back from the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival the other day. Man, was it good. Listen for an upcoming episode about the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival from The People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos, the other show that's on this podcast feed. And hey, check it out. We're going to have a new show coming up. It's not going to stay on this podcast feed, but we're going to feature it on this podcast feed at first. It's called... Articulate warbling, or that's not rave, that's not ranting, that's articulate warbling, with uh, past guest uh, Zach Ferguson, author, and uh, yeah, so why don't you sit back and listen to one of the many stories we're about to tell you for the rest of this week, uh, month, actually, we've got a month of ghost stories, so, you know, if, if you like ghost stories, you want to listen to them, why not go to pgttcm? Potbean.com and donate. Become a member of one of our various uh, cults or uh, fan cults. We've got the t-shirt cult, we've got the beer cult, we've got the advert cult, and then we've got the spectral cult for people who just want their names and just want to donate a buck a month. I mean, hey, that's pretty cool. And you can always check us out at pgttcm.com, pgttcm.potbean.com. We're on Facebook, we're on Stitcher, I think we're on Spotify. Uh, We are on Instagram, and we are on Twitter, even though eh, I don't really use it. Thank you so much, and hey, ghost stories, rate, review, subscribe! The Open Door by S. Mukherjee Here again is something that is very peculiar and not very uncommon. We, myself and three friends of mine were asked by another friend of ours to pass a week's holiday at the suburban residence of the last named. We took an evening train after the office hours and reached our destination at about 10.30 that night. The place was about 60 miles from Calcutta. Our host had a very large house with a number of disused wings. I do not think many of my readers have any idea of a large residential house in Bengal. Generally, it is a quadrangular sort of thing, with a big yard in the center which is called the Angan, or Uthan, a courtyard. On all sides of the courtyard are rooms of all sorts of shapes and sizes. There are generally two stories, the lower used as kitchen, 
go-down, storeroom, etc., and the upper is bedrooms, etc. Now this particular house of our friend was of the kind described above. It stood on extensive grounds wooded with fruit and timber trees. There was also a big tank, a miniature lake, in fact, which was the property of my friend. There was good fishing in the lake, and that was the particular attraction that had drawn my other friends to this place. I myself was not very fond of angling. As I have said, we reached this place about 10.30 at night. We were received very kindly by the father and the mother of our host, who were a very jolly old couple, and after a very late supper, or shall I call it dinner, we retired. The guest rooms were well furnished and very comfortable. It was a bright moonlight night, and our plan was to get up at four in the morning and go to the lake for angling. At three in the morning the servants of our host woke us up. They had come to carry our fishing gear, and we went to the lake which was a couple of hundred yards from the house. As I have said, it was a bright moonlight night in summer, and the outing was not unpleasant after all. We remained on the bank of the lake till about seven in the morning, when one of the servants came to fetch us for our morning tea. I may as well mention here that breakfast in India generally means a pretty heavy meal at about 10 a.m. I was the first to get up, for I have said already that I was not a worthy disciple of Isaac Walton. I wound up my line and walked away, carrying my rod myself. The lake was towards the back of the house. To come from the lake to the front of it we had to pass along the whole length of the buildings. See rough plan above. As would appear from the plan, we had to pass along the shady footpath, A, B, C, D, E. There was a turning at each point, B, C, D, and E. The back row of rooms was used for go-downs, storerooms, kitchens, etc. One room, the one with the door marked star, at the corner, was used for storing a number of door frames. The owner of the house, our host's father, had at one time contemplated adding a new wing, and for that purpose the door frames had been made. Then he gave up the idea, and the door frames were kept stored up in that corner room, with a door on the outside marked star. Now as I was walking ahead, I reached the turning B first of all, and it was probably an accident that the point of my rod touched the door. The door flew open. I knew this was an unused portion of the house, and so the opening of the door surprised me to a certain extent. I looked into the room and discovered the wooden door frames. There was nothing peculiar about the room or its contents either. When we were drinking our tea five minutes later, I casually remarked that they would find some of the door frames missing as the door of the room in which they were kept had been left open all night. I did not at that time attach any importance to a particular look in the eyes of the old couple, my host's father and mother. The old gentleman called one of the servants and ordered him to bolt that door. When we were going to the lake in the evening, I examined the door and found it had been closed from the inside. The next morning we went out a-fishing again, and we were returning for our tea at about seven in the morning. I was again ahead of all the rest. As I came along, this time intentionally I gave a push to the door with my rod. It again flew open. 
"'This is funny,' I thought. At tea I reported the matter to the old couple, and then I noticed with curiosity their embarrassed look of the day before. I therefore suggested that the servants intentionally left the door open, and one morning they would find the door frames, stored in the room, gone. At this the old man smiled. He said that the door of this particular room had remained open for the last fifteen years, and the contents had never been disturbed. On our pressing him why the door remained open, he admitted with great reluctance that since the death of a certain servant of the household in that particular room fifteen years ago, the outer door had never remained closed. "'You may close it yourself and see,' suggested the old gentleman. We required no further invitation. Immediately we all went to that room to investigate, and find out the ghost if he remained indoors during the day." but Mr. Ghost was not there. He has gone out for his morning constitutional, I suggested, and this time we shall keep him out. Now this particular room had two doors and one window. The window and one door were on the courtyard side of the room, and communicated with the courtyard. The other door led to the grounds outside, and this last was the haunted door. We opened both the doors and the window and examined the room. There was nothing extraordinary about it. Then we tried to close the haunted door. It had warped, probably, by being kept open for fifteen years. It had two very strong bolts on the inside, but the lower bolt would not go within three inches of its socket. The upper one was very loose, and a little continuous thumping would bring the bolt down. We thought we had solved the mystery thus. The servants only closed the door by pushing up the upper bolt. At night the wind would shake the door and the bolt would come down. So this time we took good care to use the lower bolt. Three of us pushed the door with all our mind, and one man thrust the lower bolt into a socket. It hardly went in a quarter of an inch, but still the door was secure. We then hammered the bolt in with bricks. In doing this we broke about a half a dozen of them. This will explain to the reader how much strength it required to drive the bolt in about an inch and a half. Then we satisfied ourselves that the bolt could not be moved, without the aid of a hammer and a lever. Afterwards we closed the window and the other door, and securely locked the last. Thus no human being could open the haunted door. Before retiring to bed after dinner, we further examined both doors once more. They were all right. The next morning we did not go out for fishing, so when we got up at about five in the morning, the first thing we did was go and examine the haunted door. It flew in at the touch. We then went inside and examined the other door and the window which communicated with the courtyard. The window was as secure as we had left it, and the door was chained from the outside. We went round into the courtyard and examined the lock. It did not appear to have been tampered with. The old man and his wife met us at tea as usual. They had evidently been told everything. They, however, did not mention the subject, neither did we. It was my intention to pass a night in that bedroom, but nobody would agree to bear me company, and I did not quite like the idea of passing a whole night in that ugly room. Moreover, my host would not have heard of it. 
the mystery of the open door has not yet been solved it was about twenty years ago that what i have narrated above happened i am not sure that the mystery will ever be solved in this connection it will not be out of place to mention another incident with regard to another family and another house in another part of bengal once while coming back from darjeeling the summer capital of bengal i had a very garrulous old gentleman for a fellow-traveller in the same compartment i was reading a copy of the occult review and the title of the magazine interested him very much he asked me what the magazine was about and i told him he then asked me if i was really interested in ghosts and their stories i told him that i was in our village we have a gentleman who has a family ghost said my companion what kind of thing is a family ghost i asked oh the ghost comes and has his dinner with my neighbor every night said my companion really it must be a very funny ghost i said that is a fact if you stay for a day in my village you will learn everything i at once decided to break my journey in the village it was about two in the afternoon when i got down at the railway station procured a hackney carriage and ascertaining the name and address of the gentleman who had the family ghost separated from my old companion i reached the house in about twenty minutes and told the gentleman that i was a stranger in those parts and as such craved leave to pass the rest of the day and the night under his roof i was a very unwelcome guest but he could not kick me out as the moral code would not permit it he however shrewdly guessed why i was anxious to pass the night at his house of course my host was very kind to me he was a tolerably rich man with a large family most of his sons were grown-up young men who were at college in calcutta the younger children were of course at home at night when we sat down to dinner i gently broached the subject by hinting at the rumor i had heard that his house was haunted i further explained to him that i had only come to ascertain if what i had heard was true he told me of course it was very kind of him that the story about the dinner was false and what really happened was this i had a younger brother who died two years ago he was of a religious turn of mind and passed his time in reading religious books and writing articles about religion in papers he died suddenly one night in fact he was found dead in his bed in the morning the doctor said it was due to failure of heart since his death he has come and slept in the room which was his when he was alive and is his still all that he takes is a glass of water fetched from the sacred river ganges we put the glass of water in the room and make the bed every evening the next morning the glass is found empty and the bed appears to have been slept upon but why did you begin i asked oh one night he appeared to me in a dream and asked me to keep the water and a clean bed in the room this was about a month after his death said my host has anybody ever passed a night in the room to see what really happens i asked his young wife or rather widow passed a night in that room the next morning we found her on the bed sleeping dead from heart failure so the doctors said most wonderful and interesting i remarked nobody has gone to that part of the house since the death of the poor young widow 
said my host. I have got all the doors of the room securely screwed up except one, and that too is kept carefully locked, and the key is always with me. After dinner my host took me to the haunted room. All arrangements for the night were being made, and the bed was neat and clean. A glass of the Ganges water was kept in a corner with a cover on it. I looked at the doors. They were all perfectly secure. The only door that could open was then closed and locked. My host smiled at me sadly. We won't do all this uselessly, he said. This is a very costly trick if you think it's a trick at all, because I have to pay to the servants double the amount that others pay in this village. Otherwise they would run away. You can sleep at the door and see that nobody gets in at night. I said, I believe you most implicitly, and need not take the precaution suggested. I was then shown into my room, and everybody withdrew. My room was four or five apartments off, and of course these apartments were to be unoccupied. As soon as my host and the servants had withdrawn, I took up my candle and went out to the locked door of the ghostly room. With lighted candle I covered the back of the lock with a thin coating of soot or lamp-black. Then I scraped off a little dried-up whitewash from the wall and sprinkled the powder over the lamp-black. If anybody disturbs the lock at night I shall know it in the morning, I thought. Well, the reader could guess that I had not a good sleep that night. I got up at about 4.30 in the morning and went to the locked door. My seal was intact. That is, the lamp black with the powdered lime was there just as I had left it. I took out my handkerchief and wiped the lock clean. The whole operation took about five minutes. Then I waited. At about five my host came and a servant with him. The locked door was opened in my presence. The glass of water was dry, and there was not a drop of water in it. The bed had been slept upon. There was a distinct mark on the pillow where the head should have been, and the sheet, too, looked as if somebody had been in the bed the whole night. I left the same day by the afternoon train, having passed about twenty-three hours with the family in the haunted house. End of Story 21 What Uncle Saw by S. McCurgie this story need not have been written. It is too sad and too mysterious, but since reference has been made to it in this book, it is only right that readers should know this sad account. Uncle was a very strong and powerful man, and used to boast a good deal of his strength. He was employed in a government office in Calcutta. He used to come to his village home during the holidays. He was a widower with one or two children, who stayed with his brother's family in the village. Uncle had no bedroom of his own since his wife's death. Whenever he paid us a visit, one of us used to place his bedroom at Uncle's disposal. It is a custom in Bengal to sleep with one's wife and children in the same bedroom. So whenever Uncle turned up, I used to give my bedroom to him, as I was the only person without children. On such occasions I slept in one of the Bythaks. Drawing Rooms A Vitoc is a drawing room and a guest room combined. In rich Bengal families of the orthodox style, the Vitoc or Vitoc Khanna is a very large room, generally devoid of all furniture, 
having a rich thick carpet on the floor with a clean sheet upon it and takias pillows all round the wall the elderly would sit on the ground and lean against their takias while we the younger lot sat upon the takias and leaned up against the wall which in the case of a particular room in our house was covered with some kind of yellow paint which did not come off on the clothes sometimes a talkie would burst and the cotton stuffing inside would come out and then the old servant his status is that of an english butler his duty to prepare the hookah for the master would give us a chase with a lati stick and the offender would run away and not return until all incriminating evidence had been removed and the old servant's wrath had subsided well when uncle used to come i slept in the batak and my wife slept somewhere in the zenana i never inquired where on this particular occasion uncle missed the train by which he usually came it was the month of october and he should have arrived at eight p m my bed had been made in the batak but the eight p m train came and stopped and passed on and uncle did not turn up so we thought he had been detained for the night it was the durga puja season and some presents for the children at home had to be purchased and we thought that was what was detaining him and so about ten p m we all retired to bed the bed that had been made for me in the bytok remained there for uncle in case he turned up by the eleven p m train as a matter of fact we did not expect him till the next morning but as misfortune would have it uncle did arrive by the eleven o'clock train all the household had retired and though the old servant suggested that i should be waked up uncle would not hear of it he would sleep in the bed originally made for me he said the bed was in the central bytok or hall my uncle was very fond of sleeping in side rooms i do not know why anyhow he ordered the servant to remove his bed to one of the side rooms accordingly the bed was taken to one of them one side of that room had two windows opening on the garden the garden was more a park-like place rather neglected but still well wooded abounding in jack fruit trees it used to be quite shady and dark during the day there on this particular night it must have been very dark i do not remember now whether there was a moon or not well uncle went to sleep and so did the servants it was about eight o'clock the next morning when we thought that uncle had slept long enough and we went to wake him up the door connecting the side room with the main bytok was closed but not bolted from inside so we pushed the door open and went in uncle lay in bed panting he stared at us with eyes that saw but did not perceive we at once knew something was wrong on touching his body we found that he had a high fever we opened the windows and it was then that uncle spoke don't open it or it would come in what would come in uncle what we asked but uncle had fainted the doctor was called in he arrived about ten in the morning he said it was a high fever due to what he could not say all the same he prescribed a medicine the medicine had the effect of reducing the temperature and at about six in the evening consciousness returned still he was in a very weak condition 
some medicine was given to induce sleep and he passed the night well we nursed him by turns at night the next morning we all had the satisfaction of seeing him all right he walked from the bedroom though still very weak and came to the central bytok where he had tea with us it was then that we asked what he had seen and what he had meant by it would come in oh how we wish we had never asked him the question at least then this is what he said after i had gone to bed i found that there were a few mosquitoes and so i could not sleep well it was about midnight when they gradually disappeared and then i began to fall asleep but just as i was dozing off i heard somebody strike the bars of the windows thrice it was like three distinct strokes with a cane on the gratings outside who is there i asked but no reply the striking stopped again i closed my eyes and again the same strokes were repeated this time i nearly lost my temper i thought it was some urchin of the neighborhood in a mischievous mood who is there i again shouted again no reply the striking however stopped but after a time it commenced afresh this time i lost my temper completely and opened the window determined to thrash anybody whom i found there forgetting that the windows were barred and fully six feet above the ground well in the darkness i saw i saw here uncle had a fit of shivering and panting and within a minute he lost all consciousness the fever was again high the doctor was summoned but this time his medicine did no good uncle never regained consciousness in fact after twenty-four hours he died of heart failure the next morning leaving his story unfinished and without in any way giving us an idea of what terrible thing which he had seen beyond the window the whole thing remains a deep mystery and unfortunately the mystery will never be solved nobody has ventured to pass a night in the side room since then if i had not been a married man with a very young wife i might have tried one thing however remains and it is this that though uncle got all the fright in the world in that room he neither came out of that room nor called for help one cry for help and the whole household would have been awake in fact there was a servant within thirty yards of the window which uncle had opened and this man says he heard uncle open the window and close and bolt it again though he had not heard uncle's shouts of who is there only this morning i read this funny advertisement in the morning post haunted houses man and wife cultured and traveled gentle people having lost fortune ready to act as caretakers and to investigate in view of removing trouble well in a haunted house these gentle people expect to see something let us hope they will not see what our uncle saw or what the major saw this advertisement clearly shows that even in countries like england haunted houses do exist or at least houses exist which are believed to be haunted if what we see really depends on what we think or what we believe no wonder that there are so many more haunted houses in india than in england this reminds me of a very old incident of my early school days a boy was really caught by a ghost and then there was trouble we shall not forget the thrashing we received from our teacher in the school 
and the fellow who was actually caught by the ghost if ghost it was will never say in future that ghosts don't exist in this connection it may not be out of place to narrate another incident though it does not fall within the same category with the main story that heads this chapter the only reason why i do so is that the facts tally in one respect though in one respect only and that is that the person who knew would tell nothing this was a friend of mine who was a widower we were in the same office together and he occupied a chair and a table next but one to mine this gentleman was in our office for only six months after narrating the story if he had stayed longer we might have got out his secret but unfortunately he went away he has gone so far from us that probably we shall not meet again for the next ten years it was in connection with the smith's dead wife's photograph controversy that one day one of my fellow clerks told me that a visit from a dead wife was nothing very wonderful as our friend haralal could testify i always took a lot of interest in ghosts and their stories so i was generally at haralal's desk cross-examining him about this affair at first the gentleman was very uncommunicative but when he saw i would give him no rest he made a statement which i have every reason to believe is true this is more or less what he says it was about ten years ago that i joined this office i have been a widower ever since i left college in fact i married the daughter of a neighbor when i was at college and she died about three years afterwards when i was just thinking of beginning life in right earnest she has been dead these ten years and i shall never marry again a young widower in good circumstances in bengal is as rare as a blue rose i have a suite of bachelor rooms in calcutta but i go to my suburban home on every saturday afternoon and stay there till monday morning that is i pass my saturday night and the whole of sunday in my village home every week on this particular occasion nearly eight years ago that is about a year and a half after the death of my young wife i went home by an evening train there is any number of trains in the evening and there is no certainty by which train i go so if i am late generally everybody goes to bed with the exception of my mother on this particular night i reached home rather late it was the month of september and there had been a heavy shower in the town and all the tram-car services had been suspended when i reached the railway station i found that the trains were not running to time either i was given to understand that a tree had blown down against the telegraph wire and so the signals were not going through and as it was rather dark the trains were only running on the report of a motor trolley that the line was clear thus i reached home about eleven instead of eight in the evening i found my father also sitting up for me though he had had his dinner he wanted to learn the particulars of the storm at calcutta within ten minutes of my arrival he went to bed and within an hour i finished my dinner and retired for the night it was rather stuffy and the bed was damp as i was perspiring freely and consequently i was not feeling inclined to sleep a little after midnight i felt that there was somebody else in the room i looked at the closed door yes there was no mistake about it it was my wife my wife who had been dead these eighteen months 
At first I was, well, you can guess my feeling. Then she spoke. There is a cool bed mat under the bedstead. It is rather dusty, but it will make you comfortable. I got up and looked under the bedstead. Yes, the cool bed mat was there right enough, and it was dusty too. I took it outside and I cleaned it by giving it a few jerks. Yes, I had to pass through the door at which she was standing within six inches of her. Don't put any questions. Let me tell you as much as I like. You will get nothing out of me if you interrupt. Yes, I passed a comfortable night. She was in that room for a long time, telling me lots of things. The next morning my mother inquired with whom I was talking, and I told her a lie. I said I was reading my novel aloud. They all know it at home now. She comes and passes two nights with me in the week when I am at home. She does not come to Calcutta. She talks about various matters, and she is happy. Don't ask me how I know that. I shall not tell you whether I have touched her body, because that will give rise to further questions. Everybody at home has seen her, and they all know what I have told you, but nobody has spoken to her. They all respect and love her. Nobody is afraid. In fact, she never comes except on Saturday and Sunday evenings, and that when I am at home. No amount of cross-examination, coaxing, or inducement made my friend Harlal say anything further. This story in itself would not probably have been delivered, but after the incident of his dead wife's picture, nobody believed it, and there is no reason why anybody should. Harlal is not a man who would tell yarns, and then I have made inquiries at Harlal's village where several persons know this much, that his dead wife pays him a visit twice every week. Now that Harlal is five hundred miles from his village home, I do not know how things stand, but I am told that this story reached the ears of the Bara Sahib, and he asked Harlal if he would object to a transfer, and Harlal told him that he would not. I shall leave the reader to draw his own conclusions. End of Story 22